Welcome to Geek Exploration, the podcast where we like our shows shaken, not stirred. I'm Williams, John Williams. And I'm Ben Robinson. Grab your Walther PPK, hop in your Aston Martin DB5. You're working for MI6 now, 007. We're talking James Bond. Hey, Ben. What's up, John? Oh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm happy today. I'm excited. Well, that's good. You just had a birthday? I did, yeah. I celebrated my, my, well, can't make anything clever with 007 out of it. So, my 39th birthday yesterday. Probably, a, I'm, I imagine that's about the age James Bond is at during his adventuring. Yeah, generally. I mean, it, it has a few ups and downs there in age, for sure. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, he... he He's in the prime of his life, I'd say. Like, he's not in his 20s. He's a no. man with some experience. Yeah. Uh, but he's not quite, uh, you know, he's not complaining about back pain yet. Yeah, until, like, the third or fourth picture in, in whoever's run. Like, Daniel Craig, I think it was the third one where he, where he uh, you know, came back from the dead, in quotes, and all of a sudden they're making all these old jokes and stuff, and, like, he's, his knee hurts and shit. I mean, getting killed will do that to you. Yeah, getting shot off a train and then falling into water and then getting rescued and healed in like a village yeah the, you, you'd have a little little stiffness if that happened to me i'd have a lot of stiffness yeah speaking of stiffness oh boy we're talking james bond today Woo! is he saying is he talking about martinis is he talking about wieners probably y- both yes <laughs> <laughs> um holy shit i'm so excited that we're talking wait how are you doing oh i'm good yeah i'm good, good. <laughs> James Bond. <laughs> um, I'm I'm so stoked that we're doing this. I cannot believe that we have got. Oh shit! Also, happy anniversary. Oh, that's right. Three years now. Yeah, this is our third anniversary show. Um, it always coincides with my birthday. It was the day before my birthday. Uh, the uh, our very first show was released. But uh, how about I finish this thought finally? About. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm stoked. You know, we we've gone three years now, and we. Haven't talked about James Bond. That's been top of my list since the beginning. For anybody who's been with us for a long time, you know of my love for James Bond. And if nothing else, my love for the the podcast James Bonding, which has been on yeah. a more or less indefinite hiatus for a year or two. We can't get too mad at him, though, because I'm pretty sure we, we teased that we'd be doing a James Bond episode like almost a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> and we didn't. No, no, we didn't. now we do. We also talked about how we were going to, yeah, be reading, or not reading, but uh, watching all the James Bond films and doing episodes as we went to lead up to the release of No Time to Die uh, next yeah, month. I remember that. And how we didn't did you do watch? That. Uh, one. I didn't watch it. Any. I don't think <laughs> so. I finished the one. I just want, I wanted it to sound better. It's not zero, but... Uh, Oh, fuck. Um, I've got I've got so much love for this property. This is one of my favorite film franchises of all time. Um, I've I read all of the Fleming books. I've played some of the video games. I love the music. Like this this thing is fucking the best. When we first decided to do the James Bond episode, and we're like, all right, we'll do like a general James Bond episode. So by the way, that's what we're doing. We're not going to like go through detail by detail on every single movie because that would take 
a long time. That's definitely a multi-episode epic. Yeah, yeah. So this is this is kind of more of our our general impressions of James Bond the character, I think, and and the legacy, perhaps. Yeah, and I've I've got some notes on uh, on the books, and you know, because because that that one I don't think a James Bond book episode uh, is necessary. I haven't read any of them, so. <laughs> Um, I, I would certainly appreciate not trying to do a whole episode on them. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, I'll hit, I'll hit some of the, some of the main points with this and uh, my opinion, even though, I mean, I, I've realized I don't retain books very well because I, I read those probably six years ago, like the entire series. I, I got sucked into them, loved them. I don't remember much like, like high detail. Like if somebody said, tell me the story of Goldfinger, the book. I'd be like, oh, well, I know there's an Auric Goldfinger and he deals in gold and there is a Fort Knox thing, but I, I don't remember it. You know, like, I don't remember the details. It's like that old metaphor of the, the girl you met at the bar when you were hammered. <laughs> I know those books are pretty. And I was a bit nervous coming into this one because I was like, man, it's probably been a year or two since I've seen a James Bond movie. Mm-hmm. When we've been talking about it, like one of the things that was intimidating me was like, well, you know, I, I want to go back and watch all the movies. But there's a fuck of a lot of movies. There's 25 official Eon produced movies. And then if you want to be a completist, which ooh, you do like to do that with video uh, games, I do. you have to watch um, two more. Yeah. I mean, it's like going through the MCU again or something, which I have no interest in doing. That is almost exactly what it's like. Yeah. Like, nope. I mean, maybe many years from now I'll do that. Yeah. So I, you know, when we first talked about doing this uh, as our like anniversary and your birthday kind of episode the episode that has been uh, in need, in the hopper for way too long and that we need to do i was a bit nervous about not uh not having anything to talk about it but then i just sat down and thought about james bond and uh oh yeah there's plenty yeah like just thinking about james bond this much makes me excited and want to go back and watch the movies again so. good that makes me excited yeah, man. Same here. Like I, I sat down to do notes. I was like, man, I've got so much to say about James Bond. This will be fucking easy. I'll sit down and just jot down some notes for an hour. And then all of a sudden I was just like, well, fuck, I can't, I can't leave this out. And like, well, if I'm so excited about the property and, and, you know, talking about my love for it, like I can't, you know, get this fact wrong. So I had, so I started doing more research and I was just like, you know, like all these things that I know I've heard, but I'm terrified that, that I say it. And then, you know, somebody out there had just heard the actual you know, fact, and I had it wrong. Like, oh, I, no, we're gonna fuck that. Oh up. man, I don't, I don't want that to happen. But if it does happen, call us at nine one six Ork Turd nine one six O R C T U R D, and tell me I was wrong. So, just starting with with James Bond, you know, like why we love James Bond. You know, like we we all know the character. He he kills, he fucks, he drinks martinis, he dresses nice, he drives cool cars, and has sweet gadgets. One of the things I had on my list to hit early on was, you know, who is James Bond? Yeah. The, the thing about James Bond that makes him a little bit different than like the MCU or, you know, any of the any other big, you know, Star Wars, any other franchise that's been running for a long time is uh, there isn't much in the way of continuity generally. Like there's not there's not canon. Like one movie doesn't lead to the next movie that leads to the next movie. Yeah, mostly. Yeah. And, and James Bond is kind of, he's a bit transient as, as a character. Like, you know, each person that does him portrays him a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. And 
he kind of reflects what's going on in the world when it's made. And the the filmmakers too, like they were definitely like trend chasers. Like yeah. that's oh, why yeah. that's why Moonraker has laser guns, you know, because Star yep. Wars had come out and it's huge. Yeah, exactly. But there are a few, there are like immutable, unchangeable things that make James Bond, James Bond. Mm-hmm. What are they? High heights. People are always dangling from high heights and falling. It stressed me oh, out as a true. kid. But uh, sorry. Because <laughs> it's more of the movies, but not, not as much of the character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was just glancing down at my notes and I was like, because I, I, I actually have that in my notes. What is James Bond? And it says, martinis, license to kill, ladies, gadgets, explosions, heights. I don't know why. Uh, yeah, I mean, James Bond to me, like like when when I when I sat down to try to analyze James Bond, it was like he was the epitome of like masculine class, you know, and or, or like a like a classy masculine uh persona of like the 50s and 60s and like and a boyhood fantasy like like oh, wrapped yeah. in one. Like like he's got he's got the class of like early playboy where it's like where it's like a it's a lifestyle, you know, and like and like it it is just the way to be a cool motherfucker, but then he's also saving the fucking world. Yeah, he's like Sinatra the superhero instead <laughs> yes. of the, instead of the racist jerk. <laughs> yeah, instead of a sexist <laughs> pig. Yeah, he is the man that uh, women want to be with and men want to be. Yeah, to me that is one of the things that James Bond has to be. You could change a lot of things, but you can't change that. He's got to be British, I think. Like, I don't, I don't want to see an American James Bond. Well, geez, then don't watch the first on-screen James Bond. Or Jimmy Bond. Jimmy Bond? Uh-huh. Oh, we'll For get a... to that, I'm sure. <laughs> we'll touch on it. <laughs> um, let's see what else is there. Oh, like the, the martini, you know, shake and not stir. Like, they, they can't, he can't start drinking margaritas. Nope. Like, you know, they can't change that. Uh, he's He's got to be just cool under pressure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's always ready for whatever's coming. Like, he doesn't always swing his way. In fact, it, frequently he gets captured and has to escape. But uh, he's always got a plan and he's always, uh, like, he's never freaking out. Well, yeah. And even if he doesn't have a plan, like he, yeah, like you said, he's cool under pressure. Like, he can adapt. He can make things work. And, like, I think he he appeals to, you know, mostly men and boys of all ages because when you're a kid you want the power and you want to be great at something and you want, you want to, you know, like it plays to, to the the same psychology as like He-Man or G.I. Joe where like you want, you want power and adventure and, um, and like you want to be the baddest ass in the world. So that's for the little kid. And then as you get into like adolescence, you're like, oh shit. He, he also just like says one word to a woman and she crumbles. Like she just melts so that also plays to like the adult man who's single and is trying to find a way to class up his life or you know the dare i say it, this is not coming from personal experience like the family man who's dream who's you know doing the nine to five and making dinner you know with the family and the, but he's like oh man that fucking adventure like it's escapism at its oh, finest yeah, yeah. bond is doing all the things that you can't yeah he's he's on the riviera he's flying planes he's he's got a fucking submarine car <laughs> well and similar to like a character like batman he is somebody who absolutely could exist like if there are spies and secret agents out there, like, yeah, of course, this is fantastical. There aren't submarine cars. There aren't laser watches as far as I know. But, I don't know. The CIA has got some shit, man. Yeah. But and, and like these people do really exist and they do these things. There are clandestine operations and, you know, the espionage is a real thing. 
So like it's it's easier to put yourself in the shoes of somebody doing that. You're like, oh man, that could have been me if things went different. I don't think I'd want to be James Bond. Like that is, uh, on the whole, that's probably a fairly painful and lonely life. He's not a well-rounded character with lots of, you know, deep pathos and any of that. Like he is the adventure and the the dream and and you don't fiddle fuck with any of that other stuff because it's not the fun stuff. You know what's interesting? One thing I love about the books is that you actually get to understand the character a lot more. You get into his head and you know why he makes these decisions and why he does the things he does. And it's really fucking cool. Like the closest they've come to that is with uh, Daniel Craig's Casino Royale. Yeah. Where like he falls in love and he's betrayed and she kills herself, which I mean, that that movie was probably like top three most faithful to the books. Like it, it was I mean, it's Baccarat instead, but and they added some stuff for the movie. But plot wise, it pretty much follows it very well. But, you know, you see in that movie, you know, that's where his hard edge towards women and like the the walls around his heart come from. Well, and. I mean, you think about it, he, he has to, like, he's a secret agent. He's, you know, traveling the world and, you know, killing people and, and almost being killed. Like, he's not the kind of guy that's ever going to be able to have a family. Yeah. Like, he, like he's, he's not going to like go home and like see his kids. Yeah. Have a, have a barbecue and a picnic with, with Felix Leiter and their, uh, their respective families. His, his character gets criticized sometimes for being like a womanizer, which you know, there's some credit to that because he is traveling the world and sleeping with women. But I mean, it's always consensual. Like they are, they're always totally into it. It's not like he's, he's like roofing girls. Yeah. Yeah. He's not a rapist. He's just, he's just, you know, the guy they want to fuck. And uh, you know, I don't blame him. Yeah. I mean, he's no different than, you know, we even have friends like this, like some dudes with tattoos, you know, who are the bad boys who go to a bar and just pick up a chick and yeah. take them home for the night. I mean, 20% of the time, the the chick is there to kill him. Yeah. They're trying to manipulate him the same way. And, uh, you know, I mean, he's he's a fucking spy. Like, lying and sneaking and, and like, doing shit. That, that's his job. Like, he's, he doesn't have room to... He's not looking for a meaningful relationship when he goes out to a bar in Monaco. Yeah. He's either looking for a means to an end, like someone to get him closer to whatever his goal is, or he's looking for, you know, the closest thing to intimacy that he's ever going to get because he doesn't get to have a family. He doesn't get to settle down. He doesn't get all the stuff that we enjoy. That is the only intimate personal time with another human that he's going to get is betting that that broad from the Baccarat table. Yeah, that's the level of love that he can expect from his lifestyle. Yeah, that's the pinnacle. The Sylvia Trenches of the world. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, I, I, the, you know, the portrayal of women in the movies leaves a little bit to be desired. I'll give you that. But as James Bond, the character, it totally makes sense. Yeah. And, and he's, and he's not, and I don't think he's doing any of it with ill intent. Like he's not, uh, he's not like sleazy going out trying to, you know, put another notch on his bedpost. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, at least with the, with the earlier movies, they could probably do with a little, well, I mean, they have in the movies, uh, a little less of the like slapping chicks around if, if they're, if they're getting mouthy. Yeah. That was, uh, that was definitely a sign of the times. It was definitely <laughs> just where the world was at that point. Yeah. And we already talked about that, uh, when Sean Connery died yeah. <laughs> on our show here. <laughs> so how about a little, uh, brief history of the, uh, of the books? See where he came from. Yeah, so. tell me about this Jimmy Bond. I oh, want to hear about that. Well, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get there. I'll get there in a second. Uh, 
James Bond was originally a literary character um, that started in, when was it, 1953 with the book uh, Casino Royale written by Ian Fleming. And Ian Fleming was a, uh, was a British uh, naval intelligence officer. There are claims that Ian Fleming wrote James Bond as an extension of himself, you know, that like, oh, he was actually like a Secret Service agent, you know, he was doing these these missions for the uh, for naval intelligence. But the it's it, it appears like the truth is this is more like escapist fantasy based on his own life. You know, like he, he was a commander in the in the British Navy, you know, just like uh, just like Commander Bond is. Even in the in the early books, like the the description of James Bond, he used sort of like Ian Fleming's traits, high cheekbones, you know, dark hair. And um, I think in, in the books, he even has like a scar. So whenever I'm drawing James Bond, I always draw him with a scar going over one nice. of his eyes. Yeah, I fucking love it. If I wrote James Bond, I'd be like, yeah, this is uh, it's loosely autobiographical. This is, this yeah. is pretty much how I am. It's just it's kind of what I did. Yeah, you could do, you could say based on a true story. Yeah, I changed the details, <laughs> you know, because of uh, state secrecy and all, but it's all pretty much right. And you know, the, the, to his credit, there are things that are that are used and processes and stuff that he does get right because he was a part of the system. Yeah, you know, and, and when they're talking about you know, and like from Russia with Love, talking about uh, Lecter decoding machines, like those are real things. Um, you know, some of these gadgets, like they they are really things that existed. And I mean, suffice it to say, the books were definitely not as fantastical as the movies. You know, you didn't have like cackling supervillains or, or, or laser watches, actually. I don't think there was ever a single laser watch, but it was, it was much more ground level and it read more like a, uh, just like a thriller novel from back in those days, which I fucking love. I love crime fiction for that. I love murder mystery. Like they've got a, they've got a way of writing that's like an economy of words that, uh, that really grabs me it tickles me like i haven't read any of them but i've always gotten the impression that they're kind of like a you know a pulpy spy adventure novel. yeah yeah and they're and they're not long um which was great for me too so up until the the brosnan movies the the movies were all based on titles for uh for ian fleming's uh james bond books or stories there were 14 books total two of them being short story collections with the movies the title was sort of where it stopped for the most part. Like there, like I mentioned, uh, Casino Royale was really faithful to the book. So was uh, Doctor Doctor No was pretty um, pretty faithful as well. Except I think in the in the book, like Doctor No had like robot clamper hands. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> See, Honor Majesty's Secret Service was also pretty faithful. But I mean, you had uh, books like Moonraker where it was just like. It was about a nuclear missile called Moonraker. Like there was no Moonraker space base or laser yeah. guns or <laughs> anything like that. And like the spy who loved me is told from the perspective of a girl who's like, I think she's riding like a, like a Vespa or something to a little lodge. And then there's like a James Bond adventure taking place there. You know, where like, like James Bond is going yeah. after a dude. So it's like from her perspective of all this happening. Well, that makes sense since it's called The Spy Who Loved Me. Yeah. The Spy is James Bond. Yeah. And, and yeah. it's like it's like a romance novel, but with intrigue. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, the movies have, have always been, uh, you know, a, a good part spectacle. Yes. And, uh, you know, books don't do spectacle quite the same way movies do. So that's funny that you use that word. That'll come into play later. Spectacle. <laughs> Spectacle. <laughs> um, yeah. And in the books, at first, he was uh, going up against uh, Smirsh, 
which I believe, uh, let's, yeah, I know. Glad they changed that acronym, <laughs> really? Um, yeah, but it, it was an actual term for a, for a real organization or movement um, that where it was shortened from, uh, I believe it's pronounced smeart espionum, which is death to spies, which in the oh, real wor- world existed. Like going into the Cold War, it was like an organization that was, that was killing spies. Did they work for one side or the other or were they just like, you know what? Fuck spies. I don't know. But from what I can tell, they put like a price on James Bond's head, basically. So and then they have their own operatives. But I think who aren't spies. (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely. (laughs) This is not espionage. Well, I mean, yeah, I wonder if if they if they care about counter uh, espionage. But I don't, ooh, I don't recall what came first, uh, you know, chicken or egg with Spectre. If it, if they made it for the movies and then it got incorporated in the books. Okay. Cause he wrote some of the books after the movies started coming out then, huh? Yeah. Uh, Ian Fleming was writing books until he died in, well, I guess, I guess not long cause he died in 64 and I believe the first movie came out in 62. Yeah. That's so, great. uh, so yeah, maybe one, not long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they, they did, um, oh yeah, that's all he would be writing after the movies came out. Um, but speaking of movies. So Ian Fleming always saw this character as a, um, a vehicle for, for movies. Like he believed in him and, and, you know, the cinematic quality of everything. So his first foray into that was American television, a TV movie, uh, based on Casino Royale with, uh, Jimmy Bond, an American card player. And apparently it was God awful. I've only seen little clips of it and, uh, it just like you know, sent, sent Ian Fleming into a depression over, you know, I mean, I mean, and, and apparently he also struggled with depression. Like he was a hard drinker. He reportedly smoked like 70 cigarettes a day. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow. Uh, heavy drinker, heavy, heavy smoker, all down in his, uh, his Jamaican compound called. Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> Golden eye. Oh, nice. Yeah. Which was the first movie, not based on a book title. Um, it's based on his Jamaican compound. Yep. Yeah. So at least they, I mean, it, it sounds like a, like a good you know, oh, James yeah, Bond movie, uh, or a title, but it wasn't until Harry Saltzman and Cubby Broccoli came along and started making the James Bond movies. Um, I think we'll go more into that when we, when we start talking Sean Connery Bond flicks, I mean, I imagine that's when we'd go into the history of that. Yeah. 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 Um, save some for later. So, uh, I, I think this is the right spot for it. I, how were you introduced to James Bond, John? Well, you were very kind saying this is the right spot because I feel like I just steamrolled over <laughs> the right spot and, and talked for quite a while. I think the right spot would have been right after, uh, the, what is James Bond? My first impression is complicated because I'm not certain to be honest. Um, I am, I am certain that it happened at Preston's house, our old friend Preston. Everything did. Yes. Yeah. Everything exciting happened there. Okay. So it was either Goldfinger because I know that was the first full James Bond movie I saw. You know, his dad was just like, this is the one to watch. And spoiler alert for our future Sean Connery episode. It definitely is like that is the quintessential Bond film. Most of what you know to be James Bond, you know, like, like that's when the character, that's when all that solidified. Um, even though from Russia with love and Dr. No are fantastic. I love those movies. Um, or it, so the, the other option is at least the end of a view to a kill the Roger Moore movie. Like I remember seeing the end 
with uh, Christopher Walken and them being high up on the Golden Gate Bridge and, you know, the blimp blowing up and shit and him falling into the water, Max Zorin. But what may be before that was Preston's family had a, uh, a soundtrack of instrumental versions of James Bond themes. Oh. And we would just sit there, we'd put it in the CD player and listen to it. And I fucking loved it. Like, I, I still remember the Goldfinger theme, you know, just all instrumental. You know, it has a boom, 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 boom. Like, it was, it was, uh, it was really interesting. So that, that is my collective first impression. Um, the James Bond music, and this is as good a time as any to talk about it, I think. Oh, wait, but we need your first impression. Do you want to go back to James Bond music after that? Definitely. Or? I've got a lot to say about James <laughs> Bond music. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, my first impression of James Bond was catching, it was on TV, you know, probably on, you know, you know some TBS. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. Some, USA you know, network. One of those, but uh, it was definitely uh, Moonraker. Really? It was my, the first James Bond thing I ever saw. Wow. <laughs> what an intro. And, uh, I fucking loved it. I mean, Jaws as a villain is uh, excellent. Like he's, he's just a big, giant, imposing dude with metal teeth that mm-hmm. bites through cables and bars and tries to bite James Bond in the neck like a vampire for some. I mean, I guess <laughs> when you, all you have is a hammer, everything's a nail. And so he's got big metal <laughs> yeah. teeth, so he's going to bite everything. Yeah. There, we know there's an artery in there. Yeah. But they went to space and, uh, and, and like, jo- like Jaws bit a shark like he got thrown in a shark tank and like fought the shark and bit and killed the shark and comes back and it's just yeah. it was it, it's one of the more ridiculous bond movies yeah for sure but as like a shit probably 10 year old kid somewhere around there uh it was fucking great like i loved all the 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 kind of the hammy jokes and the over-the-top action and the space stuff like i was fully into it yeah you know i've never actually seen that movie Really? Yeah, for being for for being the level of uh, of James Bond fan, I am. I actually haven't seen all of the movies, and the ones I haven't seen are all Roger Moore ones. But I think at this point, there's only like two, maybe three. But Moonraker is one of them. I've I've never seen it. You just you know these things through pop culture, like like the biting the cable. I I've seen that scene. Yeah. Uh, laser guns and and spaceships and you know coming in for reentry jokes like that. Yeah, I I know all of that just just from being a part of the the pop culture lexicon with it. But yeah, I've still never seen that one. I'm looking forward to watching them because that's what happened a few years ago. Um, I I was like, you know what? I I need to fucking make this happen. If I'm going to say I'm a James Bond fan, maybe it wasn't a few years ago, a couple of years ago. um, I was like, I have to have seen them all at least once. Like just watch. And, And so I watched A View to a Kill first. Great movie. Um, watched, uh, for your eyes only and the spy who loved me, both great movies, Roger Moore. Well, never mind. We'll go, we'll come back to that. Well, you want to just get into favorite bonds? Yeah, sure. So we've got Sean Connery who played, uh, James Bond for six films, um, with only one interruption by George Lazenby and, um, who only did that one flick. And then we had Roger Moore for seven. Then we had Timothy Dalton for two and Pierce Brosnan for four and now Daniel Craig is coming out for his fifth, fifth run. Right? And, yeah. And final. Yeah, this one is his final final. There's there's been that speculation over the last couple, and he even at one point said that he'd rather slash his wrists than play Bond again. 
Yeah, which did not make me excited to see him coming back. Like, if he's not going to come back and be excited about it, I'm, I don't know. But oh. yeah, I mean, and and he, he, has, that. he had since explained in interviews that you know it's like right after you've done something that's really hard and grueling, the last thing you want you want to think about is doing it again. So yeah. he's like, you know, that that was the context for it. Either that or that's just putting out some fires. Because I also saw him in an interview for uh, for No Time to Die, and he's just like, this is the most fun I've ever had on a James Bond movie. And it's like, oh, you're. You're awfully positive now. <laughs> well, you know, if they, if they pay you enough to be positive, be positive. <laughs> yeah. All right. Gun to the head. Who's your James Bond? Who's your favorite? I mean, it's, I mean, it's probably Sean Connery. I mean, like when I think of James Bond, that's who I picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like I like Roger Moore too. Like, like, I mean, he is, he's a very different Bond. He's less, he's not as debonair and he's a little more goofy, but I like that James Bond as well. Yeah, you know, I've always uh, I've always described it as the pretty Bond versus the rugged Bond. So like Sean Connery, Timothy Dalton, Daniel Craig, rugged Bonds. George Lazenby, uh, Pierce Brosnan, Roger Moore, pretty Bonds. Yeah. And they're they're usually the more jokey ones too. Yeah, they're more affable. They got you know they got more chariz- a little bit more charisma and yeah, a little cheese, a lot more one liners. Yes, the Bond one liners. I like that. I, I'm a big fan. If I was to like picture James Bond in my head, it's, it's, it's always Sean Connery. Yeah. See, what's interesting is after, you know, after having read the books, like, well, I guess a lot of times when you, when you're reading a book after having seen a movie, you're like, ah, oh, shit, I can't not picture these characters. Yeah. But what's cool is that, you know, there's been so many different bonds that I felt like like the closest they came to looks wise with, uh, or as I'm reading the book, I think the one that I'm closest to is probably Lazenby. Really? But not exactly. I mean, cause he, he is, he is a little pretty for it. Um, but I, I don't see Sean Connery in the books. It's really weird. Interesting. So Sean Connery, he is James Bond. So he's, he's gotta be my favorite, but I, like, I, I say that with, like a tinge of, of regret at what could have been because I really, really, and this is not just like a, Oh, I'm going to give a controversial opinion to, to be contrary and uh, you know, fucking snob about Pierce it. Brosnan. No, I, <laughs> I love Timothy Dalton as, as James Bond. Like I, I, I think if he was given the proper chance and like the proper number of movies, I think he would have, he would have beaten Sean Connery. I, I think the Living Daylights is probably my second favorite yeah, James Bond movie. It was a good movie. Yeah, License to Kill wasn't as good, but kudos to them for having the balls to go dark with James Bond. Yeah, it's like a revenge movie. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's fucking hard. And it's got Wayne Newton. No, but um but Living Daylights like especially when you think of it in the context of the previous one before that was A View to a Kill with just like I don't know, like 56 year old Roger Moore still sleeping. Like that's why he quit because he, he said he's, you know, he's doing love scenes with somebody who's old enough to be his or who's young enough to be his uh, daughter or something, you know? And like, yeah, that's kind of weird. Yeah. So, you know, they going into, going into living daylights, they scaled back on the cheese, you know, they kept the gadgets, but like, I don't know. Living daylights to me is an almost perfect James Bond movie. I love it. Timothy Sorry, Dalton is, is really good, and they they were supposed to make more movies with him, right? Like, yeah. they had at least three more movies penned, I thought I heard. Yeah. They, they were planning as Timothy Dalton James Bond movies that uh, didn't happen. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, they, they didn't perform well or not as good. And I don't, I don't blame them, but like, yeah, a third Timothy Dalton, James Bond movie was very close to happening before, um, before Pierce Brosnan came in. So Sean Connery is my favorite, but I'll be clog damned if Timothy Dalton isn't right there with him. You know, and I, and I think Timothy Dalton, pro, like his movies too, probably match the tone of the books closer than, than others do. Oh yeah. Yeah. Huh. He's, he's, and he did the, he did the work too. Like he really tried. I mean, as far as the other bonds go, um, I don't have much to say about George Lazenby. I mean, he wasn't there for, I mean, he got one movie Yeah, and it was, it was okay. Uh, but, uh, like Pierce Brosnan, it kind of has a mixed run. Like, unfortunately, every time I see him as James Bond, I think Remington Steele. <laughs> Because it's pretty much, I mean, that's pretty much what he was playing James, you know, a James Bond-esque character in Remington Steel. Yeah. And uh, then they said, hey, that guy's kind of like James Bond. Let's make him James Bond. Yeah. And then, of course, there's that well-circulated story that he was just about to sign on the dotted line to play to play James Bond um, before Dalton. And then uh, the Remington Steel people pulled their uh, pulled their contract card like the moment before they were bo- they were about to announce him as James Bond, and took him out of the running by by uh, renewing Remington Steel. I mean, wouldn't that have helped Remington Steel? Yeah, I wonder if it was just from schedule conflicts or yeah, something. I mean, like, I can't imagine like having the actual James Bond star in your TV show <laughs> is, is is probably a good thing. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Maybe they were bitter because people were already calling it a knockoff James Bond. Yeah, you know, and and Pierce Brosnan, I think he had the the unfortunate um, luck or bad luck to be making movies in the nineties because movies in the nineties <laughs> fucking suck. And those movies are so fucking nineties. You know, technology was changing, and they weren't sure how to change James Bond with him. So they were going big but in ways that are not that you know that didn't age well and they were moving into roger moore cheese territory and yeah. i don't i don't know like for for my money goldeneye is Goldeneye's one great. of the best it's his best movie oh by yeah. far yeah like, I, it's downhill after that yeah pretty steeply and that was the first one that i saw in the theaters for uh for our buddy sean's birthday and it it blew me away i i still love that movie to death but yeah it's like that that to me is kind of like the last time James Bond was really James Bond because Pierce Brosnan just got his movies got ridiculous and over the top, you know, where he's fucking windsurfing a fucking tidal wave. <laughs> and, and then the Daniel Craig movies, like they're, there's something different, you know, like, they're very different. I, I, I like them. I mean, I loved Casino Royale. Yeah. Great Casino movie. Royale was fucking Amazing. And it was, it's, it is a, you know, more gritty, serious, he's not making little one-liner jokes and, uh, it's just, it is a very, it's a much more grounded bond, Mm -hmm. I think, and less fantastic. Which, you know, speaks to it being closer to, to literary bond, you know, cause yeah, you know, there's, there's no laser watches. Yeah. And he's just starting out. No, I don't know if I'm looking for literary bond though, when I go to see a bond movie either. So there's that. It's also of its time, kind of like Pierce Brosnan's was with the '90s. Like it is a very, you know, 2000s kind of movie. Like it, they're making a cinematic universe. They all kind of tie together. Like yeah. his his run is kind of like the first set where it's it's a bunch of sequential movies. Like it is a unit. It, you know, a uh, 
quintilogy. Yeah. I think I guess yeah, you'd yeah. call it that. Yeah. I don't know if that's good or not. I mean, it's not, they haven't all been great. And so when you're doing that, you're all still kind of stuck in that you like, even the ones that weren't good, you're kind of carrying the baggage of forward. Whereas with the old Bond model, if you had a, you know, a stinker come out, you could just pretend it never happened. You didn't have to change it up. Yeah. You, you didn't carry any of that baggage forward and you could just go fresh and do something new. Um, but I don't know if today's audiences are really into a more serialized movie franchise like that, as opposed to, you know, they're used to cinematic universes. Now everything's got to be a cinematic universe. Everything's got to be, uh, you know, some grand vision. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, what I've noticed is a lot of people aren't good at making grand visions. <laughs> yeah. Marvel did it well and nobody else does. Yeah. Yeah. And it just kind of ends up inconsistent and, uh, and, and shitty. Whereas if you just made a bunch of individual movies that were loosely tied together or had the same characters, uh, maybe it would have been better. Yeah. If I, I could know. be so bold, nobody does it better than Marvel. <laughs> nobody does it better. Um, but you know, with, with the bonds, I'll, I'm going to put it right out there. Cause this, this may get me some hate. Come on, hate mail. Let's do it. I don't like Roger Moore. His movies weren't bad, but like he's never, to me, he's never been James Bond. He's been, he's just soft. He's a joke. He, I don't know. I, I've, I, I gravitate to the rugged bonds for sure. Um, and I remember when I was younger, I would describe it. I would say he is to James Bond, what John Wayne is to cowboys, (laughs) you know, whereas like, he ain't no Clint Eastwood. Exactly. You know, like, like Clint Eastwood is the rugged cowboy. John Wayne's the soft cowboy. Yeah, his big doughy belly. And yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm not I a John Wayne rum. fan either. Yeah. Nope. Never, ever was able to get into John Wayne. But for me, yeah. Connery, Dalton, Daniel Craig. I just, I do like how in Skyfall, they started bringing some of the tropes back. Cause I want Q, you know, oh, I want, yeah. I want some gadgets, you know, and, and like bringing in, uh, uh, fucking Rafe Fiennes as M man with his posture and the way he puts his thumbs uh, on his, uh, on his straps. Yeah. Oh geez. Like he is a classy M, but then Spectre, you know, just, just sort of went too far, which is weird. Cause it was the same team as Skyfall. Yeah. But blibbity blab. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> I like that your head started to bounce. Like you're <laughs> dancing like, yeah, to my tune. Music. Hey, speaking of music. <laughs> Hey, there we go. <laughs> I know. As soon as I did that, nobody does it better. I was like, fuck, I haven't, I haven't said my piece on Roger Moore yet. Uh, I was like, that would have been a great segue. So yeah, we've talked about music. Yeah. I mean, Bond's music is iconic. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's, and again, it kind of runs the, it, you know, it's kind of chasing the trends and it's kind of of its time. You know, we're like, you know, Garbage did a Bond song. Fuck. You know, like the, 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 they get folks, you know, they get someone popular to do the main song, which sometimes is good. Sometimes it's not. But generally the, uh, like the theatrical score mm-hmm. is good and very James Bondy. And Especially- they stay very true to what's come before. Yeah, especially in the earlier ones, too. Because for the most part, you had, well, at least for 11 films, you had John Barry doing the score. And that man is brilliant. The way he ties, like, the main theme into his score throughout. Like, especially on, um, why am I spacing? I think uh, You Only Live Twice. 
has it, it it's got that like and it, and it's just like interwoven throughout the um the movie but yeah we had the the original James Bond theme by Monty Norman which has just become synonymous with spies like it's got kind of a surf feel but like but kind of a yeah. like like a theatrical bombastic feel like it it is amazing i love that theme so much i'm surprised i never learned that on guitar like i think i learned a little bit of it but i like I should, that should be in my back pocket all the time. Yeah. We, why have we never jammed that yeah, song? Cause that is a fun song. Um, some of the other ones I, I really, really love is, uh, from Russia with love by Matt Monroe and John Barry was, uh, was the one who wrote the song, but Matt Monroe sang, sang the lyrics. Um, we've got the legendary ones like, uh, Goldfinger, Diamonds Are Forever and Moonraker by, sung by Shirley Bassey. Yeah. Um, I think she may have done one more, but I can't remember. Shit. Ooh. Um, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Louis Armstrong's We Have All the Time in the World from Honor Majesty's Secret oh, I Service. I about that one. Oh, I've, I've got, I've got a, a record at home of James Bond flicks that only goes up through like Moonraker, I think. And I was, I was listening to it this morning <laughs> just to help me get in the mood. Um, you got Live and Let Die yep. by Wings and Paul McCartney. Mm-hmm. That's probably one of the few ones that that gets radio play still. still on its on its own. Yep. Guns and Roses covered it. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> of course there's Tom Jones's Thunderball. Yes. Which was which is... spoofed heavily for uh Spy Hard. Oh yeah, like that is exactly what he was going for. <laughs> yeah. It is bombastic for sure. The 80s was also a really great time with the uh, with the one-two punch of uh Duran Duran's View to a Kill. And uh, Aha's Living Daylights. I love both of those songs a whole lot. Like they integrated the the '80s synth style with the the theatricality of James Bond. I always thought Depeche Mode would have done a really good job with a uh, with a James Bond theme. Maybe I'm not a big Depeche Mode fan. Yeah, well, but uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's possible. I'd give him a shake. Adele's Skyfall one was actually pretty good too. Really. Yeah. See, I'm, I I wasn't a big fan of it. It, it just, like, I guess it, it did have the, the right feel and theatricality. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't like the garbage one. You're like, this doesn't feel like James Bond at all. This is just a song by a, a currently popular artist that's being put into a James Bond movie. Or uh, Chris Cornell did one, too, and it was okay. Yeah, but it for was, Casino Royale. It didn't, it didn't necessarily feel very Bond. Yeah, it's... I mean, and this may be a sexist thing to say, but it's hard to have male vocalists do that. Or, or maybe it's because it's such a, you know, masculine, like Chris Cornell had a very like gritty voice. Yes. You know, like Tom Jones, his voice is like, like a velvet trumpet. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> that, those are the words that popped in my head. Um, even like Paul McCartney or, you know, um, Simon LeBon or the guy from AHA. I don't know. What's his name? Frank AHA. Yeah, uh, no idea. <laughs> but uh, you know they have they have very soft voices. Um, so maybe just Chris Cornell was it was too harsh. But like musically, it was it was it was good. But um, oh shit, that's what I was gonna say. I had totally forgotten. Pierce Brosnan, like he starts off with uh with why can I not remember her name? Uh, Tina Turner's Goldeneye song, oh, yeah. which was fucking badass. Tina Turner, man. Oh man, when she hits that high at the end, <laughs> she had the guts that Carly Simon didn't have on the Spy Who Loved Me. Like Carly Simon needed to hit a high in the end, which is weird because 
Carly Simon could definitely hit the high. Yeah. Like she's got the chops for it. Yeah. She just didn't have the, have the balls to do it. Um, even though that's a, that's a pretty great song. I'm going back to the, nobody does it better. Um, but after, uh, after Tina Turner, that's when you get fucking Cheryl Crow and garbage. And then that Madonna song, when was the last time you heard the Madonna song for, uh, tomorrow or no, sorry. Die another another day. day. Yeah. Uh, a long time, long enough that I don't, I don't, know, I don't know if I need to hear it again necessarily. Holy shit, dude! I listened Remember to it this morning. It. Yeah, it is. It is a mess. Like I, I don't even know. It's uh, like I think if you fed all the James Bond movies into an AI and told it to make a song, <laughs> it wouldn't be that bad. <laughs> well, yeah, it's getting pretty good these days. I, I mean, it, it just, it just, it doesn't make sense that a human being made those decisions when you're doing it for a paycheck. Not for the love of it. Yeah. Well, and then then there's the sting that is, you know, the little James Bond sting that is in uh, all of the movies. Like, I think it's, like, required to be in all of the movies. Yeah, and a lot of times, you know, it's coming... Wait. No, what plays over the uh, the gun barrel sequence? That is what it is. Okay, yeah. That, that Okay, jeez. I was having a aneurysm for a second there. Um, yeah, but, yeah, but like, it, like in the score, like, I think it's, I think they limited to like once or twice in the movie. Like I noticed, uh, I saw a video a while ago where, where it was Pierce Brosnan, like his movies, like every time it happens, like the little, like he's adjusting his tie. Oh, geez. <laughs> like having just repelled out of a window. Yeah. Or and... like, I think he's in the little submarine thing in that one. And, uh, he adjusts his tie and, and the little sting happens. <laughs> Poor Pierce Brosnan, because if, if you watch, um, you know, documentaries and interviews with him, there's nobody like Timothy Dalton was the researched one. You know, like he was he was committed, but there's nobody that loved the role more than Pierce Brosnan. You you can tell yeah. when you watch the movies, too, that he is having a fucking blast. Yeah. And he would have kept going like 100 percent. And, you know, I don't think he did a bad job. Like, I think the faults f- with his movies were more writing and execution. They weren't him. Yeah, he did it. He did his best and it was pretty good. Yeah, because I mean, and and the example to, to look at is Goldeneye, who was, which was directed by Marty Campbell, who did Casino Royale. Uh, you know, those two movies, two totally different Bond actors, different scripts, different eras, and they're both fantastic. Like, you know, it's I guess it's all it's all about, you know, who's who's around the actor. Yeah. Unfortunately, everyone around Pierce Brosnan was in the 90s. They were all drinking that 90s juice. Oh, man, the late 90s. What a terrible fucking time. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, there's one of those Facebook things going around that everyone's responding to, like, you know, what's what's one thing you hate that everyone else loves? Or, some, you know, what's one controversial thing you hate? And I that, that was mine right there, the 90s. Like, get the fuck out of here, 90s. Like, nostalgia might be all it has going for it. Yeah. And, that's, and e- even that's just personal that's like that's like memory you know good memories that i have that just happened to take place in the 90s like it's not because of the 90s the music wasn't all bad in the 90s oh it was mostly bad never mind i I, I, I don't i don't need to tread down the 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 road that's gonna get me uh all my music snob commentary again got enough of that in my life want to take a break let's do it hi i'm sunny hepburn and i'm brandy fleets and we're from Book of Lies. 
the podcast, where we discuss liars, cheats, and thieves, scammers, and dirty, rotten scoundrels. You can tune in for new episodes every Tuesday to hear about another lowdown, dirty liar, and learn how to spot them. So that's Book of Lies podcast. You can connect with us on social media, Twitter at Book of Lies Pod, Facebook, and Instagram at Book of Lies Podcast. Bye. Hey, Ben, welcome back. Hey, welcome back, John. So uh, this was going to be the part of the podcast where I was going to surprise you with a neat thing. Knowing now what the surprise would have been, it would have been really great. It would have been an awesome surprise. We talked a little bit about uh, the Vesper Martini, James Bond's signature drink. And uh, so I I went out, I got all the stuff for it. Uh, It is... uh, Per Mr. Bond himself, it is three measures of Gordon's, one of vodka, half a measure of Kina Lillette, shake it very well until it's ice cold, and then add a large, thin slice of lemon peel. And uh, so I I picked up all that stuff, and I was, at this point in the podcast, I was going to be like, hey, John, look what I brought. And uh, it was going to be awesome. But then uh, last night at your birthday dinner, my wife blurted out that we would be having martinis today. Yeah, she's, she said something like, isn't it martini day or something like that? And I was like, oh, that would be a great idea if we did martinis. Why didn't I think of that? Yeah, and I was just giving her the uh, the dead eye because I had mentioned to her that I was going to surprise you with it. So, like, she knew that. But, uh, oh, well. Uh, so the, the, the good part about this is now John gets to mix the drinks because it's not a surprise. And he's going to be better at it than me. Uh, so you want to hear something terrible? What? Can't remember how many shots I just put in. I don't know if that was five or six. <laughs> the, second, the second I went to, went to talk, I, I lost it. I realized I'd never had a Vesper Martini, as they are called. Yeah, th- this, is, uh, this is exciting because I, I, I also have never tried one. Like, I, I know the recipe. I used to be a bartender, and I've never actually done it. Gin is pretty gross. Yeah, gin is not generally my thing i've tried a couple like regular martinis and uh and you know gin and tonic and uh not not particularly my thing so uh like when i went to buy the gordon's gin i realized like it is not it's not a fancy gin like the first bottle i saw was like a you know two liter plastic bottle on the bottom shelf i was like oh oh no i was hoping it would be something fancy and then the other complication I ran into is uh, Kina Lillette, uh, they stopped making that back in 1968. It's like a, an aperitif wine that is uh, infused with uh, quinine that I guess was developed for the French Foreign Legion to help them, to give them a wine that would help fight malaria. <laughs> and uh, the Legionnaires grew a taste for it, so they kept making it. And uh, But I guess by 1986, uh, no one really wanted that anymore. Like, no one wanted wine infused with a really bitter tree bark. <laughs> is that what that is? Yeah, the, the quinine comes from the bark of the uh, cinchona tree. Cinchona? Cinchona, yeah. Interesting. But what I was able to find, I got, so I went on, like, a, a Google search for the most, uh, the, you know, the closest thing to what used to be Kina Lillette and arrived upon... Coqui Americano, which is another aperitif wine uh, that is infused with uh, quinine. So it, it is supposedly the closest thing you can get to Kina Lillette. 
Rock and roll. And so I hope I like these martinis because I've got a big fucking bottle of it and I don't know what I would do with it otherwise. <laughs> yeah, we need to have a James Bond party sometime. Yeah. All, everybody go rent tuxes. Why the fuck didn't we do that for my birthday? Well, I, I don't know. Why, why, didn't, why didn't you have that idea? Why were you waiting for me to have the idea? <laughs> no, I was having a hard time. I don't know if it's getting older or what, but I was just completely unmotivated. Yeah, I actually had to go out and buy martini glasses for this because they're like the most <laughs> impractical glass. Like, I don't know. I've never understood the martini glass because it looks like a glass that's just made to spill. Well, I hope I didn't put in too much ice. I definitely did. Oh, you only got to get one more shot in there. I think you might no, be No, okay. that I have to get that in as well. It's been a while since I tended bar. <laughs> Koki Americano. Interesting. Yeah, they're one of the few people that still does the quinine infusions. I guess it's supposed to be fairly Ooh, bitter. It smells nice. Oh, yeah? I mean, oh, it's an aperitif wine, so... That's something that I was going to bring up about the Gordon's Gin. It actually smells really good. And that's not oh, yeah? something I usually would say about, you know, like a Tanqueray or a... Hmm. I mean, it's supposed to have like a, a very, like a, a junipery flavor to it. They describe themselves as London's premier dry gin, um... But, you know, Pabst also claims to have, you know, be a award-winning blue ribbon beer. So Yeah, and uh, what is it? High Life is... Uh, yeah, the champagne, yeah of the, beers. the champagne of beers. So, you know, you can say whatever the fuck you want, really. <laughs> Boy, that's a lot of booze. Yeah. Yeah, I, I won't be driving for a while. I mean, <laughs> assuming this goes as well as the, uh, as the Twinkie Wiener sandwich. Okay, here we go. And it says, it says here, John, shake it very well, so. Well, that's the thing with martinis. Like, you have to shake hard and for a while. Like, you want that ice to crush. You want it to, like, infuse itself in there. It's not like a margarita where you just, you're just sort of shaking it oh, together. Really? See, I didn't even know that. All right, here we go. Come over and grab mine. Yeah, I'm gonna drop some lemon peel into the uh, into the old martini glass. Mm. I'm actually pretty stoked about this. There you are, sir. Oh shit! Trying new things on Geek Exploration. All right, yeah, it, th this looks classy. Yeah, thank you very much for making this happen. I'm really stoked. Um, even if it wasn't a surprise. It smells pretty good, too. Yeah. All right. Cheers. Cheers to uh, punching bad guys and... Bedding bed women. women. Yeah. <laughs> That's not bad at all. I imagine a martini drinker would enjoy this. <laughs> That's my problem with martinis, is that, you know, you're straight up regular, you know, just go to a bar and say, I'd like a martini, you know, it's like vodka and vermouth. And, and it's, you know, I'd, I don't enjoy the taste of vodka enough to enjoy a martini like that. Or vermouth. Yeah, yeah no kidding. I actually kind of like it. Yeah, yeah, it's, like, I could dig it's this. not it's, really bad. It's got, it's got that little bit of lemon flavor and then the, the bitterness probably from the Koki Americano instead of the, you know, in lieu of vermouth. Yeah. I think it's kind of the vermouth substitute. Uh, no, that's pretty good. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I, I could drink this. I don't know if I'll... It might take me a while to get through all of those bottles there. 
Yeah. Yeah, we, we probably could have a, uh, a James Bond party. Well, I don't know. The gin will go pretty quick. Yes. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's still a good bit left in that shaker, too, it looks like. Probably. Oh, I didn't even think about that. That, like, our our martini that we have here, I was just like, oh, man, like, this is going to be a lot of booze. But it, it's a little less booze. Let's see. How much is left in here? It's probably half full still. We probably could have just made one. And- yeah. I mean, it's got all the ice in there, too. But, yeah. I mean, and these are not giant martini glasses, but. No, they're like your standard martini glass. I think they were the cheap ones from Target. Yeah, I think they were, I saw a threshold on the box. Well, yeah, when I was at. I was at Total Wine getting the stuff, and uh, they had a $30 pair of, of martini glasses, and I was like, nope, yep. not buying those. Fuck off. And then the, the next thing down they had was plastic ones with stems that came off. And I was like, it's got to be a little classier than that for a James <laughs> Bond episode. I want to at least drink out of a glass. Yeah, well, thank you, sir. This is, a, this is cool. And, and uh, apologies to the audience. Um, for any sipping noises that's going to come through, because I am going to continue to drink this. Yeah, I'm going to finish mine as well. I mean, there's still a little bit more in there. I may go back for seconds. Yeah, hopefully this will uh, uh, this will mellow out my Red Bull brain that's just <laughs> scattered all over the place. This will give you a Bond brain. <laughs> oh, man. Boy, I sure made a mess out of my booth. I haven't been a bartender for a number of years here. and Couldn't tell. <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> what the fuck do you know? You um, still did better than I would have. Well, th- that's the thing. Like, I'm kind of curious what, uh, you know, what kind of representation of a Vesper this actually is. Like, if, like if there was like a very, you know, uh, well seasoned mixologist, you know, and we're, we're like, make us a Vesper. Like, what would it actually taste like? Yeah, because there's some guys that take their job very seriously. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I was in New Orleans once, and I ordered a Sazerac. That's like one of the big drinks there. And it took me like 15 minutes to get my drink because he did the whole thing. Like he, he takes, he like, he, he, it's not, I can't remember. It was something, that, there's something he's got to crush up, but he you like, got to like muddle the mint. Yeah. Yeah. What's well, not mint though. It's something else, but yeah, he, he kind of crushes it all up and then they take a glass and, oh, and, and uh, coat it with absinthe and then stick it in a freezer for like five minutes and then pull it back out and then put all the other stuff in. It took fucking forever. It was good. Yeah. And it was like $35. It was for like a charity thing. Wow. So I was like, all right, I, you know, all the profits are for charity. I'll spend $35 on drinking. It was tasty. I don't think I would ever do that again. Not for 35 No, fuck no. Yeah. And and a 15-minute wait. I'm like, Yeah, that's on. tough. I remember going out to a shady lady one time, and, and you know, they were they were making craft cocktails. You know, they got, they got their metal stirrers and, and, you know, like doing everything, doing everything right, essentially. Yeah. You know, like if I go to a dive bar and I ask for a margarita, I'm getting like sprite and like roses lime juice and tequila it's it's absurd watching them do that so yeah there's something to be said for for a a classy cocktail but hey if you're drinking it and you're saying it's not bad you're either being kind uh to me in front of our audience uh or at least their ears or it really wasn't that bad no i like it it's actually quite good i like scotch better yeah but uh i like it better than anything else i've ever had with gin in it (laughs) yeah so there's that i i i think i'm in the same boat cool so i i guess another staple of bond is uh gadgetry yeah so uh, do do you have a favorite gadget i mean uh, it sucks that this is kind of like the standard answer but the the aston martin db5 from thunderball oh fuck yeah it's it's the classic if that's one gadget oh okay then that thing is yeah yeah i i don't know if it can even 
compare. Yeah. I mean, it's got the, it's got like the spiky thing that can come out of the tire. It's got the oil slick. It's got the bulletproof uh, back windshield that yeah. comes up. Is that the one that had the ejector seat too? I know one of them had the, the seat where like the guy was in the car and like pulled a gun on him and he pulls it in the, it was one of the Austin Martin DB5s and it shoots the guy out the ceiling. Yeah. I, I don't rem- I don't think that one was the Goldfinger one, but I'm not certain. Um, I'm going to look up a list because that, that was actually something where my notes um, fell short a little bit. Was, uh, I, w- I, was, I was sitting there thinking about gadgets and I feel like I didn't really come up with enough because there's the laser watch. There's the, uh, the, the rocket belt, even though I don't know if that's a James Bond gadget. There's the, there's the actual jetpack that was featured in a James Bond movie. Yeah, wasn't that the rocket belt? No, it was like the, the you know the jetpack that actually worked that we talked about on the jetpack. Yeah, episode. but I thought that was called called a rocket belt. That's way more than a belt. It's like I a know. fucking backpack. They, they called that the rocket belt. That's what I thought. Well, that's I that's thought you were the one that said that. I don't know. I don't listen to the things I say, John. <laughs> the clicky pen in Goldeneye, you know, that turns into a bomb. Um, I mean, yeah, some of the ones that uh, that I like was able to remember was the, uh, you know, the jetpack, obviously. The he, then he's also got what's it, is it a Lotus Esprit? It's a Lotus something that turns the one that turns into a submarine. Yeah, that was in like was that in? It was either like Spy Who Loved Me or it was one of the Roger for Moore your eyes for only. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that one's got to go like uh, Odin. Uh, he plays Forza Horizon Four, which takes place in England, and he has that car. And like you could press a button and it turns into a submarine, and it's awesome. Oh, neat! Yeah, it's fucking rad. And he dressed his, his like character that drives the car is he dressed him up like James Bond. So he's in like a tuxedo and shit. <laughs> pretty rad. Oh man. There's a, there's a lot of gadgets just looking up at a oh, list. There's, I think there's like almost 200 of them total. So how about I bring up a little list called the 14 most absurd Bond gadgets by variety. Uh, sure. Why not? Let's rely on others to make our content uh-huh. for us. Take, I mean, take who, that variety. Who actually does, I mean, what, what would we do if I was researching before? I would, I would go look it up. All right. I guess I could just look for a list. Let's see what we got. Let's, let's do the top seven, maybe. Oh, see, they or don't do really, do them all. They don't really have it in, uh, in. Oh, it's not in order of yeah. absurdity. Oh, that's okay. But I'll, I'll all just, right, what do we got? I'll just call out a couple absurd ones. The alligator submarine. Oh, and I, had, Octopussy. I had that on my list. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, the, the alligator comes up and then it flips up and Roger Moore's head pokes out. Um, there's the laser beam Polaroid camera from license to kill. Oh, that's the, the one the, where she like almost kills them. Yeah. And yeah. She's like, no, not that one. Yeah. 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 I mean, that would that one would be a solid. That's not that absurd of a gadget. The crocodile submarine thing is, yeah. is pretty ridiculous. I mean, effective, I guess. Uh, radioactive lint on uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Uh, now I don't feel good about this. <laughs> and this this is like when it, when I have like a list of quotes and I just read off quotes and it's it's always boring. Okay, never mind. He does a lot of stuff with watches. Yeah, there's a yeah. fuck ton of watches. Like he's got that watch that like turns into a saw, so he can cut his ropes. I don't remember which movie that was. And he's and uh, and you know he's a ton of communicator watches, you know where they can talk through their watches and laser watches. Mm-hmm. Well, and and one thing about about the gadgets is the journey to get them. Like we've got Q, yes, who is you know Desmond Llewellyn up through. Um, I believe it was. Oh, I think it was Die Another Day when he left, right? Or was it on The World Is Not Enough when John Cleese took over? Yeah, I don't remember. Well, and it it was, it's so touching too when you watch that movie, like 
Desmond Llewellyn, you know, like he, I, I can't remember. Uh, I, I have to paraphrase slightly, but you know, he, he says something about like, you know, what's that one lesson I always taught you always have an escape plan. And he like lowers into the ground and that's the last time you ever see him. Desmond Llewellyn, like I always just assumed that he was like dying. So they were, they were like, okay, we got to ride him out of the series. But he, he ended up dying in a car crash, like not oh, long shit. after that. Yeah. So it, it, I think he was just, he was just done playing the role. Um, and then John Cleese took over and yeah, I mean, I, I get John, why they put him there. I love John Cleese, but he, you know, he's, those are big shoes to fill and he fills them awkwardly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and Desmond Llewellyn always, I loved their relationship because it was such a, a dry, like, even though they loved each other. Q was always just irritated with Bond. Like even going back to, I think to he was irritated Connery. with everybody. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got and, the impression and, that he was just kind of irritated with everybody. Yeah, like people touching his shit. And and you know one of my favorite moments is in a uh, is in a Pierce Brosnan one because you know like Pierce Brosnan is doing the thing, picking things up, and then he picks up a he picks up a, a like a sub sandwich, and he's like, "Don't touch that." That's my lunch. <laughs> I always love that because you're like, oh, what does this thing do? You're like, oh, it's just his lunch. Well, and it was always a good spot for a little bit of comedic relief, like something would be happening in the background. Yes. Like the, the I don't remember, the, the one where the, like, they're just talking and there's like a guy in a phone booth in yep. the background and you get like the plastered airbag. up against the wall. The airbag, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the person who like disappears into the couch. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so it's just, it, it's, it's a, it's a good spot for some, you know, low stakes levity, you know, you're back at the, you know, everything's safe. So it's okay to make a few jokes. And yeah, and that's one thing that I felt was missing in the Daniel Craig ones, you know, like, and that was another thing in Skyfall where they finally brought in uh, Ben Wishaw as, you know, I'm your quartermaster. And I'm like, Oh, Q, <laughs> you sly dogs. <laughs> and like, not to mention, uh, Ray Fiennes character was Mallory. And I'm like, Oh, that starts with an M. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I feel like I'm really letting down the whole gadget segment. Cause it's such a huge part of James Bond, but is it true that I, that I don't actually have such fond memories that of gadgets. you don't really care for them all yeah that i'm just like laser watches are cool cars are cool a lot of the time they're they're kind of throwaway like i mean they're, they're neat in the moment but i mean they're not the kind of thing that uh i guess maybe they're not like uh they're not super memorable i don't know you they're know pretty memorable like there's the uh in the timothy Dal which one is it is it uh one of the timothy dalton ones he's got like the little triangle thing that like does stuff when he whistles and like he he uh like like one, he, he's in jail and like the the guys pick it up and he like whistles at it and it like puffs of sm smoke into their face and then they pass out and then he like later on he um i don't remember much about it other than there was like a little black triangle thing and he used it like two or three times and it did stuff when he whistled at it well you know i mean it might look kind of bad that that you're bringing it up and you don't know anything about it but it looks worse for me because i've been sitting here talking up <laughs> timothy dalton's james bond movie so much and i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I need to do some more research. We'll talk more about this black triangle thing on the Timothy Dalton episode in the future. That'll actually be an easy episode to do. We only have to watch two movies. Yeah. Between Connery and Moore, we're watching like more than we even had to do for the Star Wars episode. Yeah. Yeah. I liked the remote control BMW. Yeah. When he was that, laying in the back seat. Yeah. And then he got out of it and was like driving around like, because I like, drove it off that building, like through the shop window and shit. Shit. 
Like, that shit was pretty cool. You know, the, the Pierce Brosnan movies did have some cool gadgets, or at least the ones that are... Maybe it was just because in those years I was absorbing James Bond because they were new. So I was I was absorbing more of them, you know, with more excitement. But, like, he had that, like, you know, that that grapple line, or at least that, that like, uh, that slack line in his belt so he could swing out and, uh, oh, yeah, and, and like, drop out of a window. Yeah. I, I think he used it in GoldenEye and either Tomorrow Never Dies or World Is Not Enough. Oh man! It's, you know it's, what? It's like a Batman utility belt item. Fuck gadgets! <laughs> gadgets are stupid. <laughs> Leave those behind, James Bond. Did Daniel Craig have any awesome gadgets? He, he Not was, really. He it, was less gadgety even after they introduced Q. Yeah, in the in the latest movie, the he had a um, one of those guns that that could that could read his palm and, and his fingerprints, so it could only be used by him. Yeah, but that's like a real thing. I want a gadget well, that's completely ridiculous. I was trying to do some research on it earlier, and I swear there was something like that in one of the Dalton movies. Like, I swear there was a gun that, that could only be fired by him and that somebody tried to use it and it fucked up. But like, I couldn't, I couldn't find it. I was, I was typing in, you know, like palm print reader gun, biometric gun. Yeah. And, uh, and it wasn't coming up with anything, but, uh, it, maybe it is, or maybe I'm wrong. Oh, you know, one thing I've always wanted to do and never did drink a bond martini. Oh, not anymore. Um, no, I drove by this place the other day and I was super stoked to see that it was still there. It's on Folsom Boulevard, out near like down near Sacramento, called Fox's Spy Outlet. Oh yeah, I've seen that. Place. I've driven past there my entire life. He's got like on the on the window, it's painted like spy gadgets, and and, and it's got like a little fox in a trench coat with sunglasses. Yeah, and, did you have uh, like a fedora on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I was super glad to see that that place is still there. I've no still idea what they sell in there. No, I didn't stop in, uh, but I need to because. It's just so cool that in our town, there is a spy gadget store. Yeah. And I am so uncool for not going there. Do you remember when we were kids, uh, the line of toys called Spy Tech? Yes, I do. They had like sunglasses that had like mirrors, mirrors on the yep, side. So you could see behind you. And what did I had, have? Uh, I had like, like a binocular thing that, that had something attached to it. I had some binoculars. I know they had a pen that had like a little, I think it was like a recorder in it. Like it would record like five seconds of audio or something. Awesome. It may have had invisible ink too. I'm not sure. <laughs> but I do remember getting those and they were all like cheesy and crappy, but uh, yeah. they were also awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So we, we can't talk about James Bond and not talk about the girls. Yeah. Girls. I mean, Whoa. Bond girls uh, is definitely a thing. Yeah, I was thinking about my my favorite Bond girls, and they're all like all my favorites are from the the early ones from Connery. I mean, except for the exception probably of Jane Seymour uh, playing um, uh, Domino in uh, Live and Let Die. Wait, Domino or Solitaire? I always get the I always get those two names mixed up. They're they're such striking like one word names that's not a name. Yeah, they're they're games. <laughs> games, games of chance rather than uh, vagina analogs. <laughs> no shit. Yeah, yeah. Pussy galore. I mean, she's on my list because I love me some pussy galore. But I mean, like, just <laughs> I mean, the name Sylvia Trench just, yeah, is right? so disgusting. It's just like, oh, gross. And plenty O'Toole. Um, Octopussy. Yeah, jeez. Holly Goodhead <laughs> <laughs> from Moonraker. Holy shit. It didn't even rise to the level of innuendo, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, no. On. Honey Rider. 
Yeah, Honey Rider from Dr. No was great. Um, oh my goodness, like I've got names. I'm just, I'm freaking out over why the fuck can't I find out what her name was. They're just like, oh yeah, she was in this movie. I think my my two favorites are uh, Tatiana Romanova in From Russia With Love. Yeah, that's a good one because they've got a good relation like a good back and forth yeah and i just when i see her like i fall for her like for real and the other one is diana rigg who played uh tracy or Teresa bond or contessa Teresa di vincenzo on on her majesty's secret service oh okay yeah um she was the same one who played uh uh oh shit i don't want to get this wrong i think she was uh emma peel in the uh the avengers or I mean, the old British Avengers. Oh, I was gonna say, yeah, I don't like Stephen Peel. Um, but Diana Rigg is so phenomenally gorgeous. Like, holy shit! And she's the one person to ever marry Bond. Like, that's he, true. He got married, and then she was just killed right off. Yeah, as they as right after they got married. Wait, that's that's the way it's gonna go if you marry James Bond, right? I mean, he's got too many enemies, dude. It's fucking heartbreaking how uh how you know they're they're just driving along and then fucking they oh geez what happens i I can't remember why they get pulled over somebody comes after them and they like pull over and then fucking irma bunt i believe it 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 was in that movie like just drives by in a car and fucking shoots a machine gun at him and then you know he's you know bond makes it out fine you don't see it and then he looks over and you see her dead there and it's just it fucking breaks my heart and that's that's how the movie ends he cradles her and, and he's like, he's like, we have all the time in the world. There's that Louis Armstrong song. And, um, boy, and that's actually one of the very few, um, references to previous movies is that in one of the Roger Moore movies, he goes and puts a, puts a flower on the grave of Tracy Bond. And that's about it. Yeah. It doesn't become a plot point. It's just, it, it's like a little nod to yep. here's a thing that happened. Yeah. I, I was thinking about Bond girls and like, like I didn't have a lot of like really definitive memories because like I said, it's been a while since I've watched much Bond. Yeah. Like the only one that, that kind of like struck me out as like one of the uses of, of, I, I guess she's kind of a Bond girl that I really liked was Electra King from the world is not enough because she's at the beginning, she is a Bond girl and then she becomes the villain in that movie. And I thought that was a, a, a fun turn. Yeah. Which movie was that? The world is not enough. Oh yeah. Yeah. You said that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Sophie Marceau. I was trying yeah. to remember her oh, yes. name and yeah. I, I, I couldn't remember it. Yeah, man. She's another one where like, I think in that movie, she like gets up out of bed and like, she's like holding a sheet over her front, but then you see her back. Yeah. Like sometimes man, some people have some gorgeous backs. Oh yeah. Backs can be mm-hmm. very appealing. In fact, another gorgeous back, Jane Seymour. My dad even said that, like, that's probably the first I ever heard of like, you know, hearing that somebody has a gorgeous back. My dad loved Jane Seymour's back, um, which, by the way, she played solitaire. I finally, finally found that. <laughs> uh. I liked that turn. That movie had some flaws for sure, but uh, I, I did like the, you know, that she starts out kind of as like the damsel in distress and his love interest. And then she's just like, fuck you. I orchestrated everything. I'm going to kill you. Yeah. I feel like Brosnan's turn for the most part, because I mean, I agree with Sophie Marceau, but I feel like, like they weren't, they weren't the best, you know, like, like Terry Hatcher, she didn't seem to fit a, uh, a Bond film. Um, I did like, uh, is Isabella Skorupko who, uh, who played, uh, Natalia and Goldeneye. And then of okay, course, Famke yeah. Jansen killing people killing dudes with their legs. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but I mean, 
Tomorrow Never Dies, like I, with with Terry Hatcher and then Michelle Yeoh and uh, Cecily Thompson. I don't know. Oh, and hey, here's here's a good one from uh, World Is Not Enough. Doctor Molly Warm Flash. Warm Flash. That was Warm her name? Flash. Yeah. And and Doctor Christmas Jones. Yeah, I remember Christmas Jones. Yeah. And do you know why you remember that? Because. Oh, because it's a stupid name. I mean, no. yeah, because it's Chris. Her name is Christmas. For me, it was like I feel like the only reason they named her Christmas Jones is so they could end the movie on that joke. Christmas doesn't just come once a year. It's like, <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Oof. And Denise Richards, like I'm, I'm sorry, you are not a nuclear physicist, Doctor Christmas Jones, Denise Richards. That is, that is not a thing. I'm not going to buy into that at all. Even though, to be honest. I'm sure I'm there's some beautiful physicists out there, John. Yeah, but do they do they all sound stupid? <laughs> she sure does. Um, Shots fired at Denise Richards. I know. Come at me. Um, uh, I mean, whatever. She's she's beautiful, but wow, I sound like a piece of shit now. Or or do I? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, these fucking vespers really got to me. Woo. Yeah, I'm going to get another pull off of that thing there. Especially early on, like, that's what they were there for. Yes. We're not, you know, who are you kidding? Like, they were there to be eye candy and to, you know, be sexualized. Yeah. Which, is that a good thing? Yeah, probably not necessarily, but yeah, cause, it's not all bad either. I mean, otherwise, they are, they're relegated to Rosa Klebb and Irma Bunt, who are like, you know, 60-year-old ladies who are who are, you know making people into killers like in the case of uh from russia with love she's the one that sends uh, or uh rosa kleb is the one who sends tatiana romanova on the mission to go to go uh, fuck with james bond and then irma bunt in uh honor majesty's secret service does dame D- judy dench count as a bond girl <laughs> why you want to you, you want to <laughs> talk her up no, she's well she's phenomenal like she's great yes i loved her as m she did such a great job, and it was the right time for it in uh, in the Brosnan movies. I don't like that they carried her over into the Craig movies because that that was you know th- there have been a couple instances of actors appearing in different Bond movies, but just different characters. But the carryover for of her as M, I felt you know I I would have preferred it another way because it it just it's a weird mixing. Yeah. Yeah. Of, of, Things that don't fit well together, yeah. to be frank. I mean, I guess it is weird to see, like, the dude who played uh, uh, Blofeld in um, in Diamonds Are Forever was, you know, uh, shit, I can't remember his name, but he was in You Only Live Twice, another Connery movie, you know, as, like, a good guy in Japan. Oh, really? Did he have hair? Yes. Well, that helps. Well, and, well, the, the, the only Blofeld that didn't have hair was um, Donald Pleasance in, uh, in You Only Live Twice. But the, oh yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. The, yeah, the the, the Doctor Evil one. Yes, yeah, exactly with the scar, and then also the the guy who played. Oh shit, I can't remember his name. Well, I don't remember anything. The guy in the Pierce Brosnan movies, like the loudmouth American dude who, like you know, in Goldeneye, he like flies down and hooks oh, him up okay. with a plane. Um, he was in The Living Daylights as a bad guy, like a bad general guy, like a very prominent role. It was kind of weird how so soon after that, you know, they they put him in there. Uh, They're separate. Like they're not the same. It doesn't. It doesn't necessarily matter. Yeah. I mean, the portrayal of Bond isn't always even consistent from one to the next. So yeah. 
Yeah, Dalton was a smoldering bond. Boy, he was not a happy bond. Um, what do you think? You want to get into structure? Yeah, I think it's about <laughs> time for that. <laughs> now that we've had martinis and butchered the, the other areas to talk. Well, at least I did. I don't know. Oh, shit. Oh, you got something else? Yeah. All right, let's do it. I forgot. One other thing to bring up before we get to structure is uh, a little cartoon from 1991 called James Bond oh, Jr. Yes. Did you go back and watch any of this? I did not. I remember watching it when I was a, a kid. Yeah. But, uh, boy, I don't remember a lot about it. I remembered, like, chunks of the theme, you know, like the Bond, James Bond Jr., which was just about the only thing that I remembered right. Like, I remember talking to you about it recently, and I was like, I remember these lyrics, but, uh, nope, I, I, I remember hearing, like, young Bond breaks through in record time, uh, he learned the game from his Uncle James, now he bears the name, James Bond, but it's, it's like, uh... It's like, no one can stop him, but Scum always tries. Young Bond cuts through the web of spies. Boy, those aren't even close to the same. Well, I, I mean, because, well, it's like, I could never remember the, the first part, but like, but like the young Bond breaks through in record time was the young Bond cuts through the web of spies. Yeah, it's, I have no idea where I came up with that. You're just writing your own James Bond Jr. songs. Yep. And, uh, and then instead of, uh, now he bears the name, it's now he's heir to the name. So that one's closer. So is he his nephew or is yes. he his son? Yeah, he's his nephew. And, uh, and he's going up against the... The organization SCUM, which is an acronym, but I did not look what look up what it stood for. But instead of Smirsh or Spectre, it's SCUM. Super criminal underworld men. Yes. Yeah. You're probably not far off. <laughs> Secret criminal underworld <laughs> yeah. monsters. Um, but in that one, like it, it opens up with him like driving the DB5, of course. And um, and they're trying to get the DB5 from him and he's he's joined up or he's uh he's enrolled in some school in england uh, where he meets uh iq who's the grandson of q he meets gordon Leiter, who's the son of felix Leiter, um and then the daughter of the of the headmaster of the school is named tracy so there it is there's your bond cast daughters and and uh and sons of of all the characters you know and that was actually you know, sanctioned by Eon. It was uh, ex executive produced by uh, by Michael G. Wilson, who's one of the uh, the two executive producers of the Bond franchise, along with Barbara Broccoli, because they were Cubby's kids. So it's as, as close to canon as anything in James Bond is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the the only uh, <laughs> the only character I saw that carried over besides you know the name James Bond was uh they have a character named Jaws, but his like his whole under jaw oh, is yeah. metal, and yeah. he's got like super sharp teeth. I mean. If you're going to make a cartoon on James Bond, you're going to bring Jaws. Yeah. And probably Odd Job. Did they have like an Odd Job equivalent guy? I didn't see one, no. Huh. Which, I mean, as far as henchmen goes, like Odd Job is right there. Like, like you know, he's he's classic. Oh, Him yeah. Taking off the hat and the ding. And then he throws, throws it. Throws it and, and yeah. the, cuts the head off the statue. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Sorry. Hey, how about some structure? So, uh, so favorite use in pop culture, uh, is almost too easy. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I had some runners up, like some honorable mentions, but, uh, I, clearly I'm pretty sure we landed on the same one here. Yeah, we definitely did. It, there's, there's a reason we haven't talked about it thus far. Yeah. It, it's Goldeneye for the Nintendo 64. Yeah. I could probably measure the amount of time I spent playing that game in days. Yeah. We used to sit in front of that thing for so long. I like, uh, 
shockingly, like on 27, maybe 30 inch TVs with oh, four geez. players split screen. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I remember, I think we talked about this on the video game episode too. Just like, like what we had to go through as kids, you know, like, like teeny screens split four ways. I remember hearing that like some people would, would like rig up cardboard boxes yeah, so, so you, you can see it. So you just couldn't like peek at other people's spots and know where they were on the map. Cause yeah, you totally did that in Goldeneye. Well, and people would get pissed about that. But for me, it's like, who the fuck cares? Like you can do that too. Yeah. We're all on a level playing field. Here. Yeah. Yeah. If, and not to mention in video games back then in, in multiplayer shooters, there weren't spots where you could like, that was a good hiding spot where nobody could get you. It's not like anybody was somewhere really good, you know, and they're like, oh, you found out where I was hiding. That's not fair. It's like, no, no, you were just around a corner. You know, where it came in was the fact that you'd played the game one billion times and you knew every single level, like the back of your hand. So if you looked at someone else's screen, you'd be like, oh, I know exactly where they are. Yeah. But, you know, counter to that, though, is like, why are, why are you so pissed that somebody knows where you're hiding? You're supposed to be killing people. So... If you're hiding, you're not doing your job and you're not going to win anyway. So yeah. You, you should be more upset that somebody's better at the game than you are, I guess. And then get over it and play the game and get better. I only vaguely remember the single player campaign of this game, though. Like, I remember starting out like you go, you know, you come around, there's like that guard tower and then you go into the tunnel. and Yeah, it follows the, the, beginning, the beginning of the movie where you're yeah. up on the dam. Because I think I spent 90% of the time playing this game, playing it in multiplayer. I think at that point in time, this was the multiplayer shooter yeah i i can't think of like i don't think it got usurped until like red faction 2 came out which was quite a while later yeah and and with this one like this was back in the day where you'd have to find a place that would do land parties for doom mm -hmm. if you wanted to play multiplayer shooters and there was no internet yeah or connect with your modem directly to somebody else's modem yeah which i did do but uh, it wasn't quite as easy as like popping the cartridge in the N64 and sitting people in front of a TV and playing. But man, that game got me through some, some rough times. And, you know, I, I had joy. I had uh, anger. And, you know, like what, <laughs> I, I remember uh, hanging out with, you know, this is the summer after our senior year. So in 2000, uh, I remember having a, having a group of buddies that we, we just played that nonstop. And then I moved to Utah with a couple of them and just, we had six people in our apartment and we all like, we never stopped playing that game. There was always a game of GoldenEye going on. Nice. There, were, there were always enough people there to where somebody was playing it. You know, somehow people still never, never like every, we, we had the no odd job rule. I was right? going to say, uh, did you guys have house rules? Well, <laughs> everyone loved to do the the no the no odd job but like i don't know how, i think i said this in the video game episode but nobody caught on to the fact that i was always civilian number two it was like the female civilian she was short like odd job and odd job wasn't even that short necessarily no I mean, he was shorter than the rest of them but i mean well and I still hit him that was in the day when when we didn't have dual analogs so you you couldn't you know you had to press a button to control your crosshairs and that's not practical um but the, but the best was was doing a dk mode which oh, gave yeah, you giant heads, heads. Yeah, and, and long arms and hands and then doing slappers only yep. and license to kill so it was basically just one hit who, one kill yeah who can karate chop the other one first it was <laughs> oh i love that game so much i i bought the remaster for wii and it's just it's just not the same I played it a while. It might have been on the Wii, the remaster for the Wii, and it was uh, it was great for its time. 
It's hard to go back to, though. Yeah? Because the controls are funky. Well, with the Wii one, you had to fucking point. Like, you, you had to control oh, your gun with, that. like, yeah, it was, it was fucking stupid. You couldn't use a GameCube controller? Because you could plug GameCube controller into a Wii. I think that's what I did. Oh, I do have one of those, but I, oh, wait, yeah, I may have done that. Yeah, uh, when I was playing against better. Angelina. But Because the, the N64 controller was a weird fucking beast. It was stupid. And, uh, but you didn't know any better, you know? Like, it was, uh, <laughs> you, you were a, an, an ignorant child with no just a little ignorant slut yeah there hadn't been any other uh there there wasn't anything better out there so it was still amazing but yeah going back to it it's it's a little tough yeah, yeah. That, i mean that was the first uh uh analog stick right they just had the one there in the middle yeah i think it was I think it was before yeah. playstation did it it definitely was but i did like slappers only and uh or golden gun where it yep. was just a you know one shot one kill paintball mode yep yeah, what else was there? It had so many different multiplayer modes that kind of varied the excitement. Because I think it only had like eight maps, maybe? There wasn't a huge amount. Yeah. It was a formative game for me as far as like enjoying first-person shooters go. I'm so pissed that Nintendo 64s are expensive now. That's so annoying. Are they? I yeah. Mean, I didn't even thought about buying yeah, them. Yeah, I mean, every once in a while, like, I think there's a time where I think about any system that I don't own where I'm like, oh, I would like to have one of those. That'd be cool. What's expensive? Like, they're not like 400 bucks, but I mean, you, I, I feel like the last time I saw one, like you couldn't get it for less than a hundred bucks. And I remember, Ooh. I remember back when they were like, I remember when GameCubes and Nintendo 64 were like 30 bucks a piece. Well, they're rare now. Ugh. Because they were 30 bucks a piece, so people just threw them away. There's also nostalgia because the, the, the kids who grew up on Nintendo 64 are now having kids. Get an emulator. Yeah, they're, they're like we were in our 20s when we, when we started buying Nintendos and Super Nintendos again. Yeah, I guess that's true. So, uh, yeah, the honorable mentions that I had on mine uh, were Johnny English and Spy Hard. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're both solid parody movies. Uh, I think as much as I love Leslie Nielsen, I think I like the Johnny English ones more because uh, Rowan Atkinson's a Blog name. genius. I mean, to be honest, I've never seen Johnny English. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I don't have anything against Rowan Atkinson at all. I think he's hilarious. Um, but, man, Leslie Nielsen is just the man. I remember what, like when I saw that, it was just the right age uh, for me, like when it came out. Because I was old enough to really appreciate James Bond, and I was old enough to appreciate that style of humor. And appreciate Weird Al doing Oh the my intro goodness! Song, which was fantastic. When when they're doing like those uh, those intro things, oh, who did the intro stuff? Was it? I don't know if it was Saul Bass or not, but with like the silhouettes and stuff. I don't think it was. Oh, maybe I can't remember. But they the, when they're doing their riff on that, and then they they have someone swimming by and farts like fart bubbles yep. come out. It's got the big fat lady swimming around. Oh and... man! <laughs> and and then like you know when he holds that that note till the end, you know, and and like he he turns blue and then his head explodes. Wow, it's fucking great. And then Andy Griffith as like the mega, megalomaniacal villain um, with no arms or <laughs> robot arms, I guess, that are yeah. just like, they just look like <laughs> silver gloves, <laughs> like fabric. I don't know. I, I love that movie a lot. It's a solid Bond spoof. Like they, yeah. I mean, it's a better Bond spoof for me than like Austin Powers. Like Austin Powers is funny. The first one was funny. Yeah. And then the second one used all the same jokes again. He Mike Myers did. And then uh, I think the third one also used all the same jokes again. Like, I mean, it was just, if he just left it well enough alone, 
it would have been better. But, yeah. Uh, he can't do that. No. Same problem with uh, Wayne's World 2 and the, the Shrek sequels. Like, I, I saw the first Austin Powers several times in the theaters. I fucking was, loved that movie. It was fucking great. And that, that you know, shh thing that he did, like, that that made me laugh my ass off. But then even just by the second time they did it, I, I was rolling my eyes. I was like, get out of here with this. Like, why are you doing this again? I mean, beyond that. The second time I saw it, even in the first one, it was on TV a while ago, and, we, and I was with my kids, and we watched Austin Powers. About a quarter of the way through that bit, I was like, this is way too long. Like, it was, it was hilarious when it was fresh, and I'd never seen it before, but uh, yeah, I know what's going on here. We can move on now. <laughs> it, it doesn't age well. Yeah. But yeah, you should check out Johnny English. It's, uh, I mean, it's Mr. Bean. It's not quite as extreme as Mr. Bean, but... That, you know, Rowan Atkinson incompetence yeah. in a James Bond role. And it's fucking funny. Yeah. It's good. You like it? I do. <laughs> um, you ready for one-word reviews? Yes, sir. You want to go first or you want me to? Sure, I'll go first. Um, you know, I, I alluded earlier to uh, something you had said, and I was like, ha-ha, interesting word. When you said spectacular earlier, my word is spectacle. Yes, oh yeah. These movies are all spectacle you know it whether, whether it's uh giant explosions or you know half naked women you know and like alluring stuff or uh over the top bad guys that have shark tanks in their moon base yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah like, like dr evil's whole thing about you know sharks with lasers attached to their head isn't far off no no it's, it's just not. matching together two james bond things um, you know, it's, it's all spectacle and I love spectating it. I always have fun with a James Bond movie. Um, it always keeps me riveted. Like, I don't think there is a single James Bond movie that I've watched. And I was just like, that movie just fucking sucked. Like there's definitely better and worse James Bond movies. Yeah. Like it, that one's not as good as I wanted it to be, but yeah. it's not, it's n yeah. None of them are piles of crap yeah and they and none of them really uh break out of the formula so bad that it's just like what the fuck just happened here you sons of bitches shitting on my childhood like this is a this is a romantic comedy what is going on <laughs> yeah well i mean if they would have made the movie of the spy who loved me the way the the novel was i would have had that experience like just <laughs> that, that's not a james bond movie it was really weird for a james bond book like i'm i'm, I'm curious how um how fleming came up with that Probably because romance is one of the uh, most profitable book genres to write in. Yeah. And so he's, you know, maybe just trying his hand at it to see if he could uh, get some of that sweet, sweet romance pie. Yeah. I wonder if, if he was like bedding a lady who really loved romance novels. So he's like, I'll make her one, but I'm still doing James Bond. Because apparently Ian Fleming was, uh, was quite the ladies man as well. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I, I was watching a documentary. I think it may have been his, his wife or at least a longtime companion. And apparently when they met, he, he just said like paraphrasing slightly again, but he, I, I, I believe what she said was, I hope you're not a lesbian and then kissed her <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that was it. And then that, that was the start of their relationship. He'd be fucking right out these days. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh can't, boy. Can't do that. Yeah. Um, I, I love the spectacle that is James Bond and I'm looking forward to it next month. Apparently, uh, apparently this is like two hours and 45 minutes of spectacle. Oh, like, wow. They're going out, but it's the longest James Bond movie so far. Hopefully it should be. Oh, should be 
that long. Like, hopefully oh. it's not like that. That oh. should have been an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I'm going with exceptional. Exceptional. For a couple different reasons. I mean, first off, uh, James Bond is, you know, it's great. I love it. It's exceptional. But that is not really the root of what I, what I was going for there. James Bond is a bit of an exception for me. Uh, mm. So, I mean, like, conventional character design, like when you're talking about a character in a movie, you know, you've got the, you know, the hero's journey, the standard, you know, they they come in, you know, they, they face some adversity, they grow, they rise to the challenge, you know, the the standard character flow of here's this guy, they, you know, they go through some events and some adversity, and at the end, they're, they're, they're changed, they're better, or they've, they've ascended to some degree. Uh, Bond doesn't do any of that shit. No. He's the same fucking guy at the beginning of the movie as he was at the end every single time. He has, he doesn't really have any meaningful flaws. He doesn't ever grow as a person or not. I can't say not ever. He gets married and shit. So I mean, like he grows a little bit, but generally he doesn't grow as a person. He's always in control. He's, he's always taking control of the situation. Like you could almost make an argument that he's a bit of a Mary Sue. Where he is, like, the plot bends around him. What does Mary Sue mean? Oh, shit. Uh, that's more than I was planning on getting into. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's like a, you know, a character where the plot kind of bends around them as opposed to them bending around the plot. Like, the, you, know, you know, they don't really face any real trouble, which I don't think James Bond quite is because he does, you know, get captured and have to break out. And, you know, like he he has highs and lows Mm -hmm. that he has to go through. But, you know, he doesn't do all of this, many of the things that, you know, a character, a good character is supposed to do. Like if you took a writing class. Yeah. Here's what you do with your characters. Make sure they they have flaws and they have problems and they grow. He doesn't do any of that shit. He breaks all those rules. And I still fucking love it. Yeah. I wonder what Joseph Campbell would think about James Bond. He's a better character than he has any right to be because he doesn't do any of the things you're supposed to do. And I don't care because I enjoy my time I spend with him so much. Yeah. And, and I don't know, maybe that's because he is like the male fantasy and I'm a man. So I'm like, yeah, this fucking guy. Mm-hmm. Just give me, give me two more hours of the thing that I wish I could be. Yeah. People are allowed to have fantasies. So sure, that's okay. But like, I don't, I don't really understand why. He can get away with all that. And I still, like, I love it, the movie, and I'm engrossed, and I'm never like, this is bullshit, what, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I, and I don't afford that to many other characters, and uh, I'm okay with it. Something just dawned on me. When, when we were talking about, about how, you know, like, you know, just, just the ideal and whatnot and spending two hours with it, like, this seems to me like the, the male equivalent of a romance novel. Yeah, like, oh, like, yeah. like what that is for females, how they're, they're spending, they're spending, you know, a novel's length or, or even something like Bridgerton in, in a romanticized, uh, uh, fantasy world where, where they are living out things that they wish. I mean, sorry, not to, not to just generalize it down to men, men and women, but you know, oh, using, whatever. yeah, using the stereotype, you know, so I guess whoever's reading romance novels, like that's what they're looking for as their like ideal escape. Whereas James Bond fans like that, you know, that's what we wish we were doing. Like, it's so exciting for us to live vicariously through this property for, uh, you know, little chunks at a time. Yeah. And you don't really want, like, I don't want James Bond to grow or change or no. to realize the error of his ways or to 
to do any of that. Like I want, he is a, a stable force. Like he is a rock and then all this other shit happens around him. But you know what you can expect from James Bond. Well, and, and I would love it if they would do a, a James Bond movie that's a period piece. I would love it if the next few James Bond movies went back to the 60s. I would have so much fun with that because I feel like, you know, like the, like the problem that was the 90s with, with technology growing and not knowing what to do with it and, and representing it inaccurately. And, and now everything is just so advanced that you know it's like what's next yeah you know that i i would love to take it back to a simpler time and enjoy more espionage and less technionage yeah well that's the other kind of weird thing about james bond too uh is like it's a spy movie it's about espionage and uh i mean he's arguably like the world's greatest spy uh but he doesn't do any spy stuff i mean like he like sneaks in and like beats people up and does, but like he uses his real fucking name when he yeah. checks into hotels. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't ever wear a disguise. Yeah. He'll sit down at a baccarat table with the person he's there to find out information about and introduce himself as James Bond, knowing full well that that guy knows who James Bond is. Yeah. Yeah, that that was a bit absurd in Casino Royale when it when he's like, Well, whoever's doing this already knows who I am, so whatever, you know, like I'm why try to hide it? But it's like, I get that that's a cool moment on on script you know like whoever yeah. wrote that was really proud of themselves some fucking stones right yeah but but that's that's stupid as shit well, like you were saying with a period piece like so i went a couple things i went uh when i went and saw shang chi they had the uh the, a new trailer for for the new james bond movie and it looked fucking badass yeah like it, it got me i was like i was like this looks pretty fucking cool I'm excited i stopped about watching this. them because they were giving away so much i felt yeah they made well it was interesting because the first half of it half of the trailer was all cuts from the previous movies. Oh, interesting. So it was kind of like building up to this being the crescendo. So it had a bunch of cuts from the earlier Craig movies. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it looked cool. So I'm excited about that. But they also had a, had a, uh, a trailer for The Kingsman, which is, an, which is like an origin Kingsman yep. movie, which The Kingsman is kind of like a James Bond-esque period piece in like turn of the century before this one like, <laughs> like, like 1900 james bond yeah and uh because they still have the gadgets and they've got the fighting and the you know the uh the super confident badass british agents well yeah because that, that's what that's what mark miller does best is you know something that that we like to do too or, or, is like take tried and true concepts and spin them yeah you know and and that's definitely what kingsman was like it was 100 percent a send off or a send up of uh of james bond yeah and and it was a good one like those movies are are pretty fun like odin asked me he's like what is this and i was like you've never seen any of the kingsman movies all right we're gonna have to watch some of these i only saw the first one because the the what i heard about the second one was so god awful that that i uh i i haven't taken a chance on it yet like it was more or less universally panned so it's like yeah I'd, it's like I, if, if somebody says this movie sucked that's fine but not everybody can be wrong <laughs> or, or everybody can't be wrong. I don't know. I don't know. Occasionally you, you know, you find something that's trash that you like. That is true. <laughs> All right. Well, oh, hold on. Before we go, we got a voicemail about James Bond. Oh, shit. Whoa. Weird. Yeah. A voicemail on the regular show. Woo. We made it. So here's the voicemail we got. 
Hey, John. Hey, Ben. This is Eric from Houston again. I just wanted to call and wish John a happy birthday and say happy anniversary for three years of entertaining me completely. I appreciate that. Ooh. It's hard to do that. Uh, anyway, uh, Bond. Bond. I grew up Bond. Love the, love the series. Um, getting a little tired like any of the movies. It kind of gets a little thin. Uh, the latest is my favorite Bond, uh, but I've enjoyed them all. Well, I look forward to hearing you guys talk about it, and uh, hopefully another three years plus. Good luck, happy anniversary, and happy birthday, John. From Houston, this is Eric. Have a good one. Fuck yeah. Yeah, thank you so much, Eric. I appreciate that, and we appreciate that. I appreciate it personally for the birthday wish, uh, and I, I'll, I'll speak for both of us and say we appreciate it. Are you calling and joining <laughs> the conversation? Um, to be honest, wait, never mind, no. You don't want to be honest? No. <laughs> no. I'm I'm going to I'm going to commit a lie of omission. Now, um to be honest, a, a second ago before you told me that uh that we were that we had a voicemail and I was going to get ready to to send off something I forgot to say when we were talking about the bonds, I was just going to throw out real quick like Oh, by the way, I don't like Daniel Craig. Be like, thank you for uh, accepting this mission. Coming out, you know, because I, I was just going to leave that bit of controversy at the end. But now I feel like I'd just be an asshole to Eric if I uh, if I left it like that because he was saying the the latest Bond is his favorite. So I don't feel like that's necessary anymore. But uh, you know, Daniel Craig doesn't quite do it for me. But I mean, Eric was Eric was very kind to me. So. So maybe because Casino Royale is a lot of people's favorite. Casino Royale is. An excellent film. Phenomenal flick. Uh, that that is that is up there on the Mount Rushmore of James Bond flicks for I think sure. Thus far, the rest of them have not lived up to that. Correct. It for me. I liked Skyfall a lot. Spectre just fell flat. Uh, I think you and I both like Quantum of Solace more than than most people do. Yeah, it was, I think it was you I was talking about. It, Maybe it was somebody else. No, it was pretty good. Yeah, I I don't mind that movie. I don't. I mean. Sure, the villain's a little a little thin, you know, like like but it happened during a writer's strike. So they 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 get a little <laughs> they get a little uh, forgiveness from me also. But the threat in it is a little lackluster too, isn't it? Just like he wants water. He's controlling the water for a country so he can make a lot of money doing yeah, it. Yeah. So like it, the threat didn't seem like it was quite elevated to where it generally should be, but uh Yeah, he was just kind of a piece of shit. He's just an asshole. Yeah. yeah. And and they they used the the organization Quantum because they didn't have yeah, the rights to Spectre. Right Spectre yet. Yeah, that's a bit of a bummer. <laughs> oh, and this this will be fun when we when we go into Connery talking about Kevin McClory and uh, and James Bond rights with Thunderball, and then we can also talk about uh, Never Say Never Again. I didn't want to get into it on this episode because that's that's some meaty, juicy content. I'll leave this episode saying that I am excited to go back and and watch some Bond and talk about this again. I don't think we'll do it like video games where we, you know, rush through and try and do them all back to back and then get completely burnt out and we're like, you know what, fuck this. Yeah, no. I don't want to do that to James Bond. I, I think like one episode every couple months yeah. is 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 decent. Because, I mean, I was thinking like once a month and I was like, well, we only actually do two, two full month. topic episodes uh, every month. So Yeah, and if we're going to do Connery first, we've got to go watch six fucking movies. So Yeah, seven if you want to get Never Say Never Again oh, in true. there. And I think yeah. we should. Yeah. Thank you, folks, for joining us at this Baccarat table of a podcast today. If you want to let us know how we did, you can hit us up. 
at email at geeksplorationpodcast.com. You can find us on the social medias at uh, Geeksploration the Podcast Facebook page, Instagram at Geeksploration Podcast, or Twitter at Geeksplore Pod. You can also call us at that number that I told you about earlier, 916 Orc Turd. That is 916 O R C T U R D. And if you enjoyed this episode or any others, uh, Go give us uh, a, a, a 007 star review at uh, Podchaser or Apple Podcast. Um, if they won't accept seven stars, tell them to go fuck themselves and uh, write it in the comments. Oh, I would love to hear that. We still have merch up at shop.geeksplorationpodcast.com, and I am excited to see what John draws for this episode. I drew it. Oh, like, this was one of the Inktober ones. Yeah, this was one it? of the Inktober oh. ones, like a month in from, uh, from when we started the show. Oh, I'm excited to remember what John I drew for this episode. I still love that drawing. It calls right back to uh, <laughs> to the Ken Adam production design of the early movies. Well, maybe I shouldn't go that far because then that, that sets a standard because Ken Adam was a genius. But it calls back to the Connery Bond for sure. Nice. We are a member of the Geekly Grind Podcast Network. And uh, uh, as always, our theme song is Cruising for Goblins by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Until next time, do you expect them to call? No, Mr. Robinson. We expect them to die. <laughs> <laughs>